السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العلم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we seek His assistance and we seek His divine guidance and we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of our souls and the adverse consequences of our deeds Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees guidance upon, then none can misguide him. And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees misguidance upon, then none can guide him. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his messenger. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, my dear mothers and fathers, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. Barakallahu feekum. Indeed, all praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not just all praises, but the most noblest of praises. And these praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for He showers upon the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam countless blessings. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us about these blessings in His book, when He subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُوهَا that if you were to try and audit and take account of the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you, you will never ever be able to do so. We will never ever be able to count the many blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers upon us. And the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does shower upon us, these blessings are like no other blessings. Because they are godly blessings. They are blessings from the creator of everything in creation. They are blessings from the king of all kings. And yes, we might have those from the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gift us with gifts. But if we would amass the gifts of everyone who gifted us, they would not equate in terms of honor, in terms of rank, to just one blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us. And then with this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't given us just one blessing, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us countless blessings. From the blessings, O servants of Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has showered upon us is the blessing of technology. This technology that you and I enjoy, especially in a session such as this, that I can be in the comfort of my home, and you can be in the comfort of your home, 
But nonetheless, we can engage together in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can engage together in a process that you and I consider a transferal of the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this technology is a blessing. And another blessing is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has inspired us to use this technology. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has inspired us to come together from different parts of the globe, irrespective of the country that we're in. I do know for sure that alhamdulillah, we have some students here with us today that are experiencing the early hours of the morning. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has inspired you to be here in a session dedicated towards teaching from that left behind by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that which our scholars rahmatullahi alayhim have uh, taught us in the many books that they have written, um, that which, uh, or, or they've described uh, that left behind by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as his uh, inheritance. And this understanding of theirs obviously didn't come from themselves. They gathered it from uh, their study of the Quran and the Sunnah and the ahadith which cite uh, the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the most valuable um, matters the earth will ever um, witness as, as, as the most valuable matters that um, anyone would experience until the day of Qiyamah. So indeed we praise Allah for the technology and we praise Allah for inspiring us to use the technology. And we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also for guiding us uh, towards um, choosing to be part of this particular session. Indeed all praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma laka alhamd kama yanbaghi li jalali wajhik wa azimi sultanik laka alhamd hatta tarda wa laka الحمد إذا رضيت ولك الحمد بعد الرضا اللهم لك الحمد حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى From the outset my dear brothers and sisters as we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thank him we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our time together one which is pleasing to him we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us a gathering of sincerity a gathering of ikhlas and purity and a gathering that only intends the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone with great hope in his reward subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is the greatest reward known as Jannah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only to grant us Jannah but to make us neighbors to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ameen may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our time together today and over the course of the upcoming weeks and months and years inshallah because I uh, fathom and imagine um, this particular class uh, lasting several years I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, to grant us life and preserve us in his obedience Ameen so may Allah make us neighbors to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and make our time together heavy on our scales of good deeds uh, in the year after and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us benefit from uh, the honor and blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in this knowledge the knowledge that has been revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the knowledge of this Sharia. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, um, firstly, uh, you saw the announcement to this particular program, and uh, the announcement highlighted um, a program dedicated towards those who work in Islamic organizations and those who work uh, in several uh, Islamic da'wah uh, projects, alhamdulillah. Um, 
Now, whilst the advert did highlight uh, this particular point, uh, by no by no means is this particular class exclusive only to those uh, involved in the da'wah. And that's why you saw in the follow-up emails, when you did register, um, there was um, a placement for those who are not working uh, in any uh, da'wah organization. But the reason why I wanted to run this class and, and uh, dedicate it or dedicate um, a portion of it to those involved in the da'wah uh, is because uh, I am inspired by those who, you know, um, invest from their time and from their wealth in being true to the legacy of the Anbiya alayhim salatu wasalam. Those who um, invest their time during their weekends, their free time during their days, in the evenings, perhaps before Fajr, perhaps after Fajr, in working in what we call today, quote-unquote, a non-profit um, uh, kind of organization or project. Uh, and the reason why we do it is because of our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Yes, our knowledge might not be up there, um, uh, you know, at the level of those who might have graduated from uh, Islamic institutions, those who might have graduated from, um, you know, different uh, Islamic seminaries and different Islamic programs. But nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, I see my brothers and sisters putting themselves forward and selflessly, um, you know, uh, being true to the legacy of the Anbiya alayhim salatu wasalam. And this is truly inspirational uh, for myself. Alhamdulillah, uh, Allah has blessed me to be from amongst those who uh, dedicated a portion of his life uh, learning uh, from that left behind by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and, and having access to, to scholars and those who have been taught by scholars and so on and so forth and, and they have an understanding um, of this knowledge taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this inheritance left behind by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, you know, for myself uh, that motivation is there and it has to be there given um, the position that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put me in, given the environment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put me in. And then I look at uh, my dear brothers and sisters who haven't had the same environment, but yet, you know, subhanallah, um, at the drop of a hat, they leave their home, they leave, um, you know, th- their rest time and so on and so forth to help out with a particular Islamic conference, to help out with a particular relief project. It might be, you know, a program related towards feeding or assisting the poor, of uh, you know educating the masses perhaps volunteering or should i say investing i prefer to use the w- the word investing because allah uh, definitely rewards us for our work and that's a far greater reward than monetary uh, reward but we see our brothers and sisters at the drop of a hat out there um, you know um, tirelessly uh, helping out subhana rabbi al-a'la and and i ponder over it and could not help but feel that subhana subhanallah this is all the love for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his rasul so uh, the dedication definitely is uh, in recognition of how you all inspire me and um, uh, my desire to give back uh, to a community that inspires me and give back to a community that i respect dearly uh, and the reality is my dear brothers and sisters you know i can give back by thanking i can give back by acknowledging you know i could p- use my platform at a particular conference in, in front of thousands of
of people uh, to, to, to thank those working in the da'wah. But, uh, you know, true thanks, and I think the most valuable of, of thanks and, 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 and uh, um, you know, the most valuable expressions of gratitude uh, can happen by me offering the most valuable thing that I've been given, and that is some of uh, the teachings of this grand and great and noble uh, sharia. And, and definitely people like yourselves, especially working in the da'wah, uh, need to um, learn from uh, the ocean of knowledge left behind by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for the simple fact that um, the, the, the nature of the sharia is that it is built upon a concept of ilm and the concept of uh, seeking knowledge before speech and before uh, action. Before speech uh, and uh, before action. Uh, and if, uh, you, you, pro- you probably have heard me uh, mention this particular point in, 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 in several talks, and that is the fact that uh, the scholars of before, the earliest of scholars, uh, recognized the importance of of knowledge before speech and action, and thus we have in some of the uh, greatest books that, 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 that a Muslim can have, um, such as Sahih al-Bukhari, for example, which is a compilation of authentic hadith by uh, an imam um, who was famously known as Imam al-Bukhari. He has an entire chapter dedicated to this point, and that is the point known as Babu al-Ilmi, that the chapter of knowledge before uh, speech and before action. So there's many a hadith about this, and as a result of this, Imam al-Bukhari, rahmatullahi alayhim, placed an entire chapter dedicated towards this. And as our scholars teach us, we understand the fiqh, uh, or the understanding of, of, of Imam al-Bukhari by looking at the headings that he gave uh, to different ahadith, or the headings that he placed uh, in his book, for he would just mention a heading, and then list a series of narrations from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, under that particular heading so we would understand from his headings the understanding of the imam and the fiqh of the imam and definitely the imam understood this rahmatullahi uh, may Allah shower his mercy upon him and gather us with him in Jannah thus he dedicated uh, an entire chapter teaching us the importance of knowledge and this is uh, even more important for you my dear brothers and sisters so a special welcome to those who are working in the different organizations across the globe mashallah uh, I can promise you we have a cosmopolitan community here uh, um, I never thought, subhanAllah, that um, you know, um, we would get uh, interest from so many parts of the world. We even have somebody from Brunei. Uh, mashallah, uh, tabarakallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all brothers and sisters. And inshallah, you will understand my appreciation of uh, you know the, appreciate, the appreciation that I have for you all over the course of the upcoming uh, weeks and months bi'nillahi ta'ala as we uh, further progress our relationship together and our study uh, of um, the book that has been dedicated for this particular class. Now, in terms of the book that we are going to study, then that book is known as uh, Zad Al-Ma'ad. Zad Al-Ma'ad. In the English language, as you have seen, it's been translated as provisions for the hereafter. And I'm going to uh, share with you a little bit uh, about why I actually have chosen this book to share with you all, or why I see this book as a good manual uh, for us to study, especially those uh, who are working uh, in the da'wah. Um, there's many reasons, but before I go into those reasons, I just want to qualify my statement that yes, we are studying the book known as Zad al-Ma'ad, uh, but in particular, uh, what we're stud- studying is a summarized version of the book, is a summarized version of uh, the book, and I will 
uh, explain uh, a little bit about the difference or the differences between uh, the summarized version uh, and the full version. So this book is called Zad al-Ma'ad and uh, it's a unique book authored by a very famous scholar not unknown to uh, the majority of us and that is Imam Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyyah rahmatullahi alayhi. And I will inshallah share a little bit about this great Imam or, or, or um, a little bit from uh, the biography of the life uh, of this Imam so we understand uh, the uniqueness uh, of the text uh, that we are studying. Now, I have used the word unique more than once already. So why is this book unique? Well, this book is unique for several uh, reasons. Firstly, uh, because uh, our scholars have said, or many scholars after Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi, wrote this book, they said that this particular book does not have an example like it. Right? So, this is a massive statement of the scholars because we do know that there's many works of many great scholars out there. But the scholars have highlighted this particular book, um, you know, for this particular type of praise, where they've actually said that there's nothing like it, meaning it's very difficult to find an example like it if you do um, say that, you know, there's another book like this. So, it's very unique. And uh, this book is unique. Um, for many reasons, for the fact that the scholars have said this, and also for the fact that it is uh, dedicated to the life of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when I say it's dedicated to his life, I mean uh, in every sense uh, of the term. Uh, because it does discuss the speech of the Prophet ﷺ. It does discuss the actions of the Prophet ﷺ. It does discuss the tacit approvals of the Prophet ﷺ. Um, when I say tacit approvals, I talk about the uh, his you know the, the times when something was done in front of him and he didn't uh, sort of correct. Uh, that particular thing that happened. And we know that for Rasulullah ﷺ, if something was wrong, he would correct it immediately. But if he did see something or hear something and didn't comment on it, then this is a type of approval from the Prophet ﷺ regarding the permissible or the permissibility uh, of this particular speech or action. So this book covers all these angles from the life of the Prophet ﷺ. But now somebody might say, okay, so then this is a Sira book, right? Uh, if this is the case, then surely it must be a Sira book. So why is it then unique? Why is it then unique? Well, it's unique, my dear brothers and sisters, because um, whilst it does cover the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it covers it in a way different to uh, what you would find in a normal Sira book, where uh, there's a systematic uh, run through the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam from start uh, to finish um, in a form of uh, story-like telling, right? So, yes, this covers the life of the Prophet ﷺ, but it doesn't cover it in that particular way. The other aspect that makes it different to any Sirah book is that in this particular book you'll find fiqh, which is Islamic jurisprudence. You'll find aqidah, which is Islamic belief. You'll find nahu, which is Arabic grammar. You'll find adab, which is Islamic morals, manners and etiquettes. You'll find raqa'iq, which refers to the heart softeners. Right, uh, you you get an iman boost reading uh, this particular book. Also, you find mawaif, which refers to general uh, lessons and reminders. So all this 
is inclusive in the writing of this great Imam. So yes, he's running through the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but he's analyzing his life from a series of different angles. So this definitely makes it uh, absolutely amazing that look, we won't call it a fiqh, fiqh book, but yes, it is a fiqh book. We won't call it an aqidah, aqidah book, but yes, it is an aqidah book, and so on and so forth. Uh, so this is how uh, amazing this particular book is. Now, somebody might say, well, do we get confused with it? Or, you know, is there confusion regarding its category? Absolutely not. There's no confusion by the scholars regarding its category. Rather, the scholars have said it owns a category in and of itself. Uh, and it is uh, a unique book. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower his mercy uh, upon this imam. Ameen. Also, um, this particular book, if you go to the full version, you'll find that this particular imam, he cites the views of several scholars. Whenever he discusses a fiqh point, for example, uh, you can see uh, the ocean type of knowledge that the imam has that he, he brings into the discussion, uh, the views of, of several uh, scholars. And also what makes this book unique is his methodology uh, in presenting the pieces of information. So, you know, if you look at how he, 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 he mentioned hadith, we see him traversing the way of the scholars of hadith. In terms of the hadith that he chooses to mention, in terms of uh, you know his discussions surrounding the uh, authoritative nature uh, of the hadith or, or the prophetic narration uh, that he mentions, so he he will cite uh, the authenticity of the hadith or the authentic, authenticity level of the hadith. So in his you know mention of hadith, we find him traversing the way of the scholars of hadith, and then. Even when we, you know, look at him discussing uh, fiqh points, uh, for example, or his explanations of the hadith, we see him traversing the way of the scholars of usul al-fiqh uh, or jurisprudence methodology. Uh, in terms of, you know, his explanation of the evidences used and uh, whether the evidence is abrogated, meaning it was said by the Prophet wasallam, but the ruling was lifted, or whether the ruling still applies. So he, he touches on all these things. And, and he even goes ahead and, and discusses the implications of text. So for example, uh, you could have a text that gives you a general implication. When, when you read the, a hadith or an ayah in the Quran, you understand from it that this ayah uh, or the ruling of this ayah includes everybody. Right? But then sometimes uh, we have another verse, another ayah, or another prophetic narration that has a, 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 a more narrow approach or a more restricted approach. And uh, that hadith explains the first hadith, or the later ayah explains the first ayah. Right? Telling us that, well, you know, whilst the first ayah was general, the generality was not. Uh, intended. And now we have this other hadith to teach us that the generality was not intended and so on and so forth. So he goes on to mention all these uh, amazing aspects taught to us by the scholars of usul al-fiqh or jurisprudence methodology to help us further or, or to exacerbate our understanding uh, of text. So there is a lot of analysis um, in uh, the writing of Ibn al-Qayyim uh, in this particular uh, book as well. Um, also, why I see this book as unique as well is because uh, this particular book, my dear brothers and sisters, actually uh, helps us understand reasons why the scholars differ. Right? A lot of the time, you know, we work in the da'wah, sometimes we have people from different fiqh backgrounds, and um, we... Apologies, can I just ask if um, I am being audible here? Barakallahu feekum. 
you please just drop me uh, a message in the box below. May Allah bless you all. Yes? Excellent. Jazakumullah khairan. Because for some reason, I can't really see the... Um, um, the bars on the microphone teaching me that I am audible. But khair, jazakumullah khairan for your, your, your response. Uh, apologies for uh, just breaking your thought process. I just wanted, wanted to make sure uh, I'm not speaking to myself. This is one of the uh, beauties of uh, using technology as well. <laughs> it can happen that you, you end up speaking and speaking and speaking, uh, and then all of a sudden you find out that, subhanallah, I was actually speaking to myself. And as you know, I have um, uh, a lot of... Um, online uh, projects and programs, um, programs of Knowledge International University and the New Muslim Academy and other uh, online initiatives. So um, I have come across all the um, the curveballs that technology can can throw you. So um, apologies for cutting your thought process, um, but Alhamdulillah, Jazakumullah Khairan for clarifying. So so just before I uh, interrupted you all, uh, I was telling you about another reason why I find uh, this particular. Um, book important and, and that is because it also teaches us the reasons why um, we have differences of opinion between the scholars right? because of the analytical skills of the imam and how he discusses certain fiqh points uh, it becomes manifest to the reader uh, and to the student of knowledge, uh, you know, why it's plausible that a particular madhab could take a particular view and um, another madhab could take another view, right? So basically we, we learn from this, uh, or from our study of, the, of this book Zad al-Ma'ad, or the provisions uh, for the hereafter, um, a reason why the scholars uh, may uh, differ in terms of madhab. So this is another unique re- or another reason that makes this particular book uh, unique. Another amazing uh, aspect, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, that teaches us how unique this book is. And uh, I really want you to take to heart this particular reason. And that is the fact, that is the fact, that Ibn al-Qayyim wrote this entire book during... Um, a journey, during a journey, right? So he wrote this entire book, this entire book, during some travel of his. He was on his way somewhere, and he was writing, you know? Whether he was on top of his ride, or whether he, you know, took a break for a meal, or to stay at a particular place overnight, uh, he was writing this particular book. Now, you know, a person like myself, uh, I, you know, I cannot help, I cannot help but feel overwhelmed by this particular point. The point that he wrote this entire book uh, during travel, right? Because what's the first thing that comes to mind when you uh, learn that the author wrote the entire book during travel? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, subhanAllah, where was his library? Where was his library? Right? If he has mentioned so many aspects in this book, and this book is unique for so many reasons, surely, 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 he must have had an amazing library with him. Right? So surely he must have had an amazing uh, library with him. Surely this must have been the case. How is it possible? How is it possible that 
you know, uh, he could have fitted so much information in this book just from his head or off the top of his head, right? So this is the first thing that, that, that you know, that wakes me up. This is the first thing that makes me feel overwhelmed. Obviously, um, I am, uh, as I said, you know, Allah has blessed me to have studied Islam for a while. And, um, you know, I know what work it takes to author a book to write a book, to put some uh, research together. So uh, I, I, I definitely feel overwhelmed reading that this Imam, rahmatullahi alayhi, may Allah bless him, this Imam went ahead and wrote an entire book off the top of his head during a journey. And you all know, my dear brothers and sisters, that you know journeys come with travel. Journeys come uh, you know, with um, difficult, uh, I mean, journeys come with the difficulties of travel, right? You know, you're tired, sometimes it's hot, uh, sometimes it's dusty, right? And, and in the region that they were living in, there would be uh, sandstorms, um, and so on and so forth, right? And uh, let's not forget that we're not talking about a journey where you get onto an air-conditioned aircraft and move from point A to point B. We're talking about a journey, uh, and, and we're not talking about a journey that lasts you so many hours. You know, I recall when I was traveling back from Australia um, to Zimbabwe, and I headed, uh, or the journey was taking me via Dubai. And I recall the journey just from Australia to Dubai. It had a stopover in, in Malaysia. Uh, but just that journey alone was close to 15 hours. And subhanallah, you know, when I saw 15 hours, that was, that was like, <laughs> that was tough to see. You know, seeing 15 hours, just looking at it was tough to see. So never mind, you know, starting the journey. Uh, the toughness of the journey started by just looking at the fact that I would be 15 hours uh, traveling to Dubai, then have a stopover and then another, have another 10 hours uh, to get back to, or, to Zimbabwe, right? Uh, and right now, by the way, uh, for those who are asking, I'm, 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 based, I'm speaking to you from Riyadh, uh, Saudi Arabia. So what I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is we're not talking about these types of journeys where you're in an air-conditioned aircraft. It's just a matter of, of a day, really. And you know what? Um, we'll be okay. We're talking about journeys that would last, you know, a month, two months brothers and sisters. So, so just take you know, special care of this particular point that whenever you open this book, try and picture the imam sitting somewhere uh, under the hot sun, um, around a dusty plain, um, you know, putting pen to paper with his ink pot, putting pen to paper for you and I to benefit in a magnanimous way today. And that's why brothers and sisters, inshallah, you know, if we put the knowledge of the Imam into practice, then we have been a, a sadaqatul jariyah for the Imam. And imagine all those since he has written the book and all those who studied it and all those who learned from it and all those who used it as a reference in their own theses and all those who put his teachings into practice, each and every one of them are sadaqatul jariyah uh, for the Imam because obviously he was the one who was a means or, or, or he was the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a means. So coming back to the point, my dear brothers and sisters, is the fact that this imam uh, read this book, oh sorry, wrote this book uh, from memory during travel. Right? Now, today, brothers and sisters, you and I can write a book, you know, during travel. But it's not going to be from memory. I mean, we all know we live in a day and an age of technology and we were praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it from the outset. The reality is, yes, you and I can have 17, 20, 25,000 books with us on a plane journey or on a car journey. 
on a, on, on a hard disk, on a USB stick, for example, or on the hard disk of our computer even, all nicely photocopied and everything, and even with a search function perhaps, right, where you don't even have to read so much information, just put in the search box the exact hadith you want, put in the search box the exact piece of information you want from which book, from which madhab, and at the click of a button, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings it in front of you. This is the reality, right? At the click of a button, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, brings it in front of you, right? This wasn't the case, right? We're talking about a man who's writing this book um, at the click of a button in his head. So he's basically accessing tons and tons of information and eloquently writing it for us to read today. And this is another thing, my dear brothers and sisters, that reading the English will not allow you to appreciate um, uh, the strength of the linguistic abilities of this Imam, uh, Rahmatullahi Ali. Right? This will not allow you to appreciate the eloquence, the linguistic abilities uh, of the Imam. So not only is he, is th- is he throwing information onto paper, but if we look at the eloquence um, that, is, uh, uh, that he uses to, pre- uh, to present the information, and never mind that, even the structure that the great Imam uses uh, to present uh, the information is absolutely amazing. Right? Because when you read the book, it's not as if information is all over the place and it lacks structure. It, there's amazing structure in the book. And even you can see his ideas have a line of connect to the ideas before it, to the ideas after it. Right? So um, this is another aspect that makes this book absolutely amazing. Now, we can learn a lot uh, from the fact that uh, you know, he wrote this book uh, during travel, uh, my dear brothers and sisters. From them, firstly, is the immense knowledge of the Imam. Right? The immense knowledge of the Imam. This this is something we need to write in gold uh, and, and you know, uh, never debate, right? He's definitely knowledgeable. This is a book that scholars have praised and this is a book which he wrote from his head and never mind, you know, writing it from his head, he wrote it during, uh, you know, travel, right? Um, secondly, uh, we learn the barakah and blessings um, that happens when a person is patient in seeking knowledge, Right? We learn the barakah and blessings that Allah gives us when we are patient, when we seek knowledge. Right? And, and I always say that if you learn in bucket loads, you'll end up forgetting in bucket loads. Right? So take heed of this particular point. Sometimes, you know, uh, we work in the da'wah and um, obviously we know it's important for us to learn, but we lack patience. We want to memorize the Qur'an, we lack patience. We want to memorize hadith, we lack patience. Right? So what happens? We start memorizing too much Qur'an at once. And then we burn out. We start memorizing too many hadith at once. And then we burn out. Or maybe we've realized that, you know what, we have to attend uh, certain uh, lessons and so on and so forth. So then what happens is, uh, we start looking at all the different uh, lessons uh, that, you know, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed our community with. And then we, you know, Monday we're here, Tuesday we're there, Wednesday we're there, Thursday we're there. And it's just um, a random flow of activity in seeking knowledge. We're trying to get it in bucket loads. And then if we really analyze ourselves after time, we see that subhanallah, what are we doing with this knowledge? How much of the knowledge do we remember? Right? These are the critical answers that, or questions that need to be asked that help us understand if we are truly doing a great job uh, in uh, learning the sharia and in seeking knowledge. Right? So we need great patience. This Imam, rahmatullahi alayhi, as you will see when we discuss him, he became who he became, not because he was just pouring knowledge into his brain, 
No, because he took the necessary time to learn things. He took the necessary stages when it came to learning. He never took a, you know, a more advanced book before he dealt with a primer properly. And even the primer, it wasn't this quick fix, you know, this fast food style weekend course, uh, bang, 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 and, and, and then we serve the meal. <laughs> you know, that kind of, of, of uh, uh, seeking knowledge. And this is what our, our, my teachers used to tell me as well. You know, this al-wajbah uh, sari'ah, as we say in the Arabic, language, just a fast food kind of process to seek knowledge. No, he, he never had that. He took enough time. And what was happening is, throughout his journey seeking knowledge, the information was sticking. The information was sticking, and because it was sticking, he had this great ability to build upon his previous information when he learnt uh, later pieces of information, and then he got to a stage where, alhamdulillah, he wanted to put a book down, and every time he wanted to access information, his mind was ready to serve him. And, and I our minds are amazing brothers and sisters and I think you all know the science behind how a computer works and, and or, or you know some thing about the science behind how a computer accesses information and so on and so forth. And with that you've heard the specialists in the field uh, say that the human brain is far more advanced than a computer or a processing computer and so on and so forth. And obviously you know we uh, hardly tap into uh, an, an iota's worth of our brain's potential. Right, but we're not talking about brain's potential here. We're talking about process because even our process uh, is wrong. So um, learn from the fact that the Imam was able to do this. How important it is to seek knowledge, having patience. Burn yourself in, never burn yourself out. Burn yourself in, never burn yourself out. If you're going to, you know, learn some Quran, start slowly. Start with half a page, start with a quarter page. And when you see now it's become easier for you to learn a quarter page, Alhamdulillah, whereby you are able to, uh, you know, maybe when you started it was taking half an hour to do a quarter page, but now all of a sudden it's taking 20 minutes you know, or it's taking 15 minutes, then at that particular juncture, increase. But don't just jump into it and say, look, I only got half an hour, but I'm going to learn one page in half an hour. And then you see how hard it is to learn. And then when you learn, the next day you forget it. And then it just, um, uh, you know, it causes you to lose motivation. And you open a door for shaitan uh, to uh, take you away from the noble practice that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in. So, brothers and sisters, this is another point that we learn that if you learn in bucket loads you will forget in bucket loads and that's why even with Zad al-Ma'ad inshallah we'll take it nice and slow uh, ta'ala um, in being true to the way of, of, of the author the way of the Imam rahmatullahi alayhim uh, brothers and sisters we also learn uh, from this the patience needed and this is an abstract point that I'm, I'm presenting to you uh, but nonetheless we do learn this um, even in an abstract way and that is how patience uh, is is required when seeking knowledge uh, in you know in terms of the process so we've we've discussed patience in terms of the amount of information you get and and and, and don't be you know sad when the information is too little have patience there but i want to touch on another aspect and that is you know patience in terms of our likes and our wants and 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 you know how you and i prefer to seek uh, knowledge the reality is my dear brothers and sisters uh, this knowledge that we seek is from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The reality is, it is far more valuable than any, you know, 
amount of gold, any amount of silver, if you brought together the treasures of the earth, it wouldn't amass to a small amount uh, in terms of importance and honor that this uh, inheritance that Rasulullah uh, left behind uh, owns. The reality is this inheritance was revealed to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, you've heard me say in previous talks, and I'll repeat for those who haven't, and it will be a reminder for those who have, that you know, knowledge is more precious than wealth, because wealth, when we spend it, it decreases. Unless we spend for the sake of Allah, of course. Uh, and, but, but you know, with knowledge, when you spend it, it increases. This is the reality. Right? When I share with you some knowledge now, um, it increases. Right? We have 68 people uh, on, uh, you know, here. We have over 100 people uh, registered for this particular class. And um, inshallah, they will... Uh, join us uh, in the upcoming weeks and, and, and inshallah access the recordings um, from today. But the reality is, my dear brothers and sisters, that um, now that I've taught you, 68, 69, 70 people, uh, walillahi alhamd, uh, have this knowledge that I've taught and the hundreds who will uh, get access uh, to the recordings because they've registered with us, they also will have taken this knowledge that I've shared. So yes, I've spent something, but it hasn't decreased. In actual fact, it's increased. Right? And let's say everyone who's registered now teaches this to two people at least. What happens? It increases again. And they will teach it to other people. It will increase again. So knowledge spent increases. Money spent decreases. Unless it's spent for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course. Also, brothers and sisters, you know, knowledge protects us. But wealth needs us to protect it. And this is a reality. Knowledge protects us whilst um, uh, wealth needs us to protect it. We need a safe for money. We need a bank for money. And subhanAllah, as you've seen in the last recession, you know, even the bank wasn't a safe place for our money. We've seen some countries where people, you know, like Greece, uh, people couldn't get their money out of their account. And then when they were bailed out by the World Bank, the conditions were crazy, you know, in the form of you having to pay the bank money to get your money out. Right? So, you know, even when we talk about money protection, even that's not so robust. Right? But uh, this is different to knowledge. Knowledge looks after us. When we learn something, it protects us. Because now we've learned how to worship Allah. It makes our worship free from mistakes, and so on, and so forth. So, um... You know, uh, when we're talking about the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we're talking about something valuable. And when we're talking about something so valuable, then the message, my dear brothers and sisters, is that it is worth it. It is worth it. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because we're discussing this point about having patience, you know, in the da'wah that we do, having patience in the knowledge that we learn. That, you know... You know, perhaps you're not going to get every teacher who's, who's going to teach you exactly to your preference. You know, maybe he's going to be too fast. Maybe he's not going to be, you know, very motivating in terms of keeping up your attention span. And I'm reciting for you, you know, certain things that people generally say when they're learning. And we, we, we've become good, especially in this day and age. And in fact, it's, it's, a, it's a characteristic, it's a habit of this day and age where we gauge our teachers. Right? When you go for a course, at the end of the course, they actually give you a form. And on the form they'll tell you, was the instructor captivating? This is what they say. So this is a norm of the time that we live in. But it's very important, brothers and sisters, that yes, we live at a particular time. But as we live at a particular time, we never forget. We never forget the, the aura, the honor 
of al-ilm al-shar'i. We never forget the aura, the honor, uh, the, 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 uh, the value of the knowledge of the sharia, of the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as a result, the honor of those who have this inheritance, who Allah has blessed to carry it. Yes, we must be excellent in how we teach. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not talking about the teaching. I'm talking about you and I as students, when perhaps we have a teacher that, you know what, is a bit difficult for us to follow. Right? Um, I'm sure you, the, the, uh, you, you've come across a talk that's been going around, that the, uh, one of the talks that I gave in Qatar when we were discussing the honor of the messenger. And, 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 and I advised one and all to take special care of not falling into the celebrity fan culture when it comes to seeking knowledge. And rather be a fan of the knowledge that wherever it is, you will be found. This is important, brothers and sisters. And yes, sometimes, you know what? It's at a place that's not so conducive to ourselves, but it's so valuable that we run to it. It's so valuable and we love it so much that we run to it and we be patient with regards to that which, you know, uh, is not conducive to our liking. Right? So, you know, uh, and the, the, why? Because the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is worth it. If I told you, uh, you know, Sister Tahmina or, or Brother Abdul Malik, I'm just pulling random names from the class. If I told you there's a million gold bricks that you have a chance to get your hands on, would you be picky as to how you receive it? Uh, feel free to, to, to drop me an answer in the chat box. Would you be free, uh, sorry, uh, would you be picky? Um, you know, with regards to how you actually uh, receive this inheritance, would you say, okay, yes, you know, I, uh, I'm so lucky, I have a, a, um, this is an amazing gift, but I want it delivered to my house at this time, on this day, in this way. Would you do that? Absolutely not. Okay, let's say if you did and somebody said no. No, 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 no. If you want it, you have to go to, you know, Timbuktu. Wherever that is, <laughs> right? Wherever that is, you have to go to Timbuktu. Would you say, ah, forget about it. I'm not interested in a million gold bricks. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to carry on. Absolutely not. You're going to find out where Timbuktu is and you're going to prepare yourself and your journey there. Even if it's so dangerous, you will get yourself the security, whatever it takes. Why? Because a million gold bricks is worth it. And this is the same analogy that I'm sharing with you, my dear brothers and sisters. The inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ is worth it. The inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ is worth it. Right? So, wherever it is, we will go and get it. We are not going to be fussy. We are going to get it. You know why? Because it's worth it. Yes, the teacher, you know, might speak in a low voice, but subhanAllah, he's so knowledgeable. And I need that knowledge. I'm going to be patient and I'm going to, I'm going to go and adjust myself. Why? Because it's worth it. You know what? That's, you know, that teacher speaks a bit fast. I can't keep up with him. But you know what? It's worth it. I'm going to adjust myself. I'm going to do what I need to do. Why? Because it's worth it. You know, that teacher, He's too serious, for example. But you know what? He's a special man nonetheless. He's got the inheritance of the Prophet. I love the Prophet wasallam. I'm going to adjust myself. I'm going to go and adjust myself. You know why? Because it's worth it. We can't, you know, today sadly we see this pickiness, fussiness uh, when it comes to seeking knowledge. And then we, you know, we end up treading the path of, of becoming a fan of a particular speaker. Why? Because he's the only person conducive uh, in terms of my 
learning. Now, I'm not saying, brothers and sisters, that you shouldn't have a particular teacher, a particular speaker, but I'm saying that no one speaker, no one teacher can teach you everything of the Sharia. In fact, even if you had 10 teachers all together, they wouldn't teach you everything of the Sharia. And the reality is, you know, those less exciting teachers, you know, those, uh, um, you know, those more unknown teachers, the reality is, brothers and sisters, that those people, they are more knowledgeable than the famous, more knowledgeable ones. You've got to understand this. So, what I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, we're taking lessons from how this imam wrote a book during travel. It didn't happen overnight. It happened because he was patient in how he learned. He was patient with regards to the process. He was robust in terms of his entire approach. That a day came about in his life where he could be on a journey and a light bulb went on in his head and he said, you know what? I will write a book about the Prophet ﷺ. A book that no one has written before. Meaning a book in a way that no one has attempted to write before. And you know what? Without any books, he did it. And you know what? Allah accepted it. And proof of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepting it is the fact that you and I have the book today, and you and I have it even in the English language, subhanAllah, and you and I have been inspired to use it as um, um, the foundation of this particular class. My dear brothers and sisters, uh, what I will do now, inshallah, is pause the lesson, so that, inshallah, we can ponder over some of the lessons shared, and digest those lessons a little bit, and uh, take a breather, um, f- you know, stand up, Stretch, get the blood flowing again, inshallah. Um, have a drink of water, perhaps consume some healthy sugars. And inshallah, inshallah, at uh, or in eight minutes time, eight minutes time, we will resume uh, this particular class. Jazakumullah khairan. Hada wallahu a'lam. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. طيب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته um, welcome everybody um, I hope you had uh, a splendid short break and um, ready to continue uh, part two uh, of today's session and, and, and this is obviously uh, the final uh, part. As you've noticed, today is an introductory uh, sort of session and that's why we're having it this Tuesday. Obviously, our uh, um, norm will be that we will meet um, on Saturdays, uh, ta'ala. So, let us continue, brothers and sisters, with this introduction. So, we were taking lessons from the fact that uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahmatullahi alayhi, actually wrote this book whilst on travel, and uh, we were just discussing the importance um, of the inheritance of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and how um, it's so valuable that it's, it's worth our time, it's worth our effort, and you know, it's worth us not being uh, picky and and uh, fussy uh, when it comes to how we learn this inheritance. The reality is, my dear brothers and sisters, you know, we need Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his teachings. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his teachings do not need us, uh, and ultimately, we need Allah subhanahu wa taala. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa taala doesn't need us. We need Islam. Uh, Islam doesn't uh, need us, uh, and this. Is is, you know, the, the, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate uh, reality. So, um, 
you know, just maturing our earlier discussion before the break, and, and we were just talking about how uh, we should, uh, you know, grow up when it comes towards seeking knowledge and, and develop uh, the patience needed, and indeed, um, there's great rewards in being patient, firstly, and secondly, um, it makes sense being patient, given how valuable uh, that thing that we would like to acquire is. You know, um, I tend to have, um, you know, or I would say, you know, I'm not too sensitive to the statement of a student when uh, a student says that, oh, you know, um, I can only learn with so-and-so and I can't learn with so-and-so. I'm not too sensitive to that statement. And, and you know, so, uh, and in, in this day and age, as students, when they say I can learn with so-and-so and not with so-and-so, basically they're saying, you know, so-and-so is good enough for me and so-and-so is not good enough for me. And, and reality, or in reality, I'm not sensitive to these statements. Why? Because I actually see those type of statements as a weakness from the student of knowledge. When uh, teacher so-and-so is not good enough for you, the reality is you are not good enough for the teacher. This is the reality. right? Whenever you point a finger, there's always three fingers pointing back at you. Now again, I'm going to reiterate, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be excellent in our teaching and the teacher shouldn't improve. right? I'm just talking about it from the student's perspective, the student's paradigm. Right, so inshallah, Allah inspires us to become uh, and amazing like some of the giants that walked this earth before us, and from them, Imam Ibn Al Qayyim, rahimahullah. Right, when 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 a student complains of a particular teacher, or in terms of the ability to captivate, and so on and so forth, uh, I actually see that as a weakness on the part of the student, uh, without discussing the reality of the teacher. Whenever we point a finger, there's three fingers pointing back at us. You know, I remember when I started uh, Kulliyat al-Shari'ah, the faculty of Sharia at Jamiat al-Imam. Right? Let me give you a personal story. Right? Uh, because I see you all as my students, and inshallah we're going to spend years together, inshallah. May Allah preserve us in His obedience. Ameen. Uh, I remember, you know, Usul al-Fiqh was a brand new subject in terms of it being a dedicated study, having its own hours and so on and so forth. When I did uh, the, you know, the foundational degree before that, um, which was the three-year Arabic slash Islamic studies program, it didn't have a dedicated usul subject. And usul al-fiqh, it's a beautiful subject, but it requires... Uh, you know, a great ability to teach it and it requires a great mind uh, to listen to it, or at least a persistent mind. Let me not say a great mind, but at least a persistent mind. Some people learn it naturally and some people learn it through hard work. And this is the same with everybody. So, uh, I had a teacher, mashallah, and he walks into class you know, and uh, just to give you some insight, you know, those who specialize in usul al-fiqh or jurisprudence methodology, they are some of the most, uh, you know, time-managed people that, that I've come across. You know, even in the way they teach, it's different to the other teachers. The, the lesson runs at a particular pace and it runs with a particular intensity and it, it runs on time that, you know, from this, at, from this minute to that minute, these are the points that are going to be discussed. From that minute to that minute, these are the points that are going to be discussed, right? And we had big classes in Sharia. We were over 100 students. So just to take the register, you're looking at about 10 to 12 minutes. And the class is 50 minutes long, right? And the syllabus is massive. 
So here I am excited, you know, first semester, Kuliyat al-Shari'a, the faculty of Sharia, you know, my dream and you in class and this amazing teacher walks in with such honor and he walks into the class and you feel shivers, your hair stand and wow, this is my sheikh and he sits on the chair and uh, as he starts the lesson, he, it, you know, he teaches it in an amazing way, but it's pure dictation. So he's dictating for you know, he's going to teach us through dictating for f- 45 minutes uh, a day for the entire semester, right? So he's done this amazing research where he's done all the mileage at home, putting all the evidences together, the different views, the rebuttals, the reality of the science, the definitions, everything. But he comes to class, he dictates. And he dictates at a mighty speed, literally. Now, I could never keep up with this. Meaning, it, it, it would be something of an impossibility to ask a foreigner like myself in uh, Jamiat al-Imam. And by the way, I graduated in Riyadh. And remember, the program in Riyadh is not designed for foreigners. It's designed for Saudis, firstly. And secondly, more specifically, those studies, uh, those Saudis who, who studied their secondary education, what you and I call GCSEs and A-levels, um, uh, they st- uh, you know, it's designed for those who studied their secondary education in a purely Islamic secondary school where they've already learned the, 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 the uh, preliminary matters to all the sciences. And now, you know, they're jumping into uh, bigger books, right? So here I am jumping into a bigger book already, number one. Number two, uh, you know, not being at the, uh, at the writing uh, ability of, of my fellow classmates uh, or the, under, you know, the ability to understand of my fellow classmates. And here's the teacher just, you know, bang, he starts the lesson and he's moving until uh, the time ends. And mashallah, uh, you know, 20, 30 pages of, of dictated notes, you know, are, are shared. So, this was difficult. Now, you know, I'm just trying to think, subhanAllah, when I, when I think of the people who complain, I'm thinking if, if I had that attitude, I would have just left. I would have left, blamed the teacher, and convinced everybody it's the teacher's fault. But I said, no, you know, what he's teaching is amazing. Uh, it's very important. And it's worth it. It's the inheritance of the Prophet wasallam. So I went to the, my Shaykh and I said, Shaykh, Wallahi, this is who I am and this is where I'm from and uh, it's, I, I can't really keep up with your lesson. Can you please slow down? And you know what, brothers and sisters? He would not repeat. So if he clearly said a line, that's it. If you got it, you got it. If you didn't, you copy it from the person next to you. If that person kept up. Right now, I'm trying to think. You know, if I run this class in this particular way, what would you all do? Come on, guys, be brave. Just, just be brave. And from the outset, throw me a message in the box. What would you do if I just came and started dictating to you notes from start to finish? Um, don't be shy. Just say it. Right? Some people are giving me smiley faces. Some saying I would have left. I would have fallen asleep. I would have left. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is human nature. I would complain. I would log off Sheikh, honestly. <laughs> and this is coming from a teacher, mashallah. Right? So, yes, right? So, uh, but obviously, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm telling you that I have something more valuable than a million gold bricks. Are you still going to drop out? Are you still going to log off? Are you still going to be, you know, uh, fussy? And I have something more valuable than a billion gold bricks here, guys. Are you going to give up or are you going to stick it out? Are you going to change yourself? Are you going to mitigate? 
right? Uh, I, exactly. I love your answers, by the way, mashallah. So, um, what I did was, I went to him, I said, Sheikh, you know what? Um, I, I can't manage. And you know what the Sheikh told me? Put your trust in Allah, you'll get used to it. Wallahi, I remember this. Because it's, it's the most unique experience in my journey seeking knowledge. He said, Ista'in billah wa sawfa Meaning, just put your trust in Allah and you will, um, uh, you know, you will, uh, you will get used to it. Anyway, you know what? Brothers and sisters, I knew I would get used to it, but I won't get used to it now. And it's going to take me a semester, it's going to take me two semesters, so i got to do something now. So what did I do? I bought a recorder. And I would record the entire lesson. And then I would sit at home after Asr and transcribe the one hour lesson. And by the way, it would take me three hours to transcribe. I still have that book with me. Wallahi, I would not sell that book. I don't think if you offered me even a hundred thousand pounds, would I give you that book. Because I know the hours put into that book. Right? I would sit three hours just to transcribe the lesson, analyze the lesson, and so on and so forth. And don't forget, I had another seven subjects next to this subject to study. Sorry, another eight subjects rather, next to the subject to study. So this one subject here was pulling my entire afternoon just to transcribe. But you know what? It had to be done. You know what? It was worth it. And you know what, brothers and sisters? I came top of the class, walillahi I'm just, you know, may, may Allah protect me and protect you all. But I'm, I'm sharing with you a personal message just to show you that, you know what? Good work always counts. Good work always counts. This inheritance is worth it. If your intention is pure, based on the sincerity, based on the strength of your intention, Allah will help you. This is what my teachers used to tell me. That if you, are re- if you really intend Allah, nothing will take you away. Allah will test you. You know, you say, I'm seeking knowledge, I intend Allah. Allah will test you. He won't make it, you know, roses and petals. No, He'll give you a few curveballs. He'll give you a few, you know, um, um, errands to climb and slide down to test whether you really intend Allah, whether you really love this knowledge, whether you really understand this knowledge and its importance, right? Whether you understand how valuable it is. Because those who understand how valuable it is, they stick on. They push on. They do what it takes, right? So this is what I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that I personally, I have no... Look, I'm not saying seeking knowledge should be painful. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying dictating the notes was the best thing to do. But what I'm saying, brothers and sisters, that if the situation is what it is, and you have such a knowledgeable teacher, yes, he's unknown, yes, his style, you know, doesn't bring in thousands of people, but he has something that the others don't have, and he has something that's so knowledgeable to me, it's worth it. That's when, you know, you do what you need to do because it's worth it. And you know what, brothers and sisters, the same teacher taught me in semester three. And in semester three, I could keep up with his dictation. In fact, my classmates would, you know, would check my notes to see what they've missed. Walillahi alhamd. Now may Allah protect me from self-praise. And Allah knows, Wallahi, I'm only sharing with you a personal experience so you can understand the context that I'm coming from when I tell you that, you know what, I lack sensitivity to those who complain. To those who complain. You do what you need to do. You know why? Because it is worth it. It is far more valuable than a, 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 a million gold bricks. So the point to note here, brothers and sisters, is, you know, I took my teacher's advice. He said, put your trust in Allah, you'll get used to it. And by Allah, I did. But, in, you know, there was going to be that time frame that I would need to get used to it. 
And as a result, I mitigated. I came up with another process to help me and put in the necessary work required. And this is what I want to share with you, my dear brothers and sisters. Like a guy like Ibn al-Qayyim, wallahi, I cannot uh, even do you know half a percent of what the Imam did during travel in his book, you know. But given some of the experiences I have had seeking knowledge, and then I I, I pick up a book written by a man who you know wrote it with excellence and ihsan and never wrote a storybook he wrote an a, an academic book and he wrote it from the top of his head allahu akbar la ma'buda bihaqqin illa allah indeed there is no one worthy of worship besides one allah and indeed this imam is a sign from the signs of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's all i can say my dear brothers and sisters given you know uh, my um, uh, sensitive association when it comes uh, to seeking knowledge and i'm sure many of you can relate to uh, some of the points that I am mentioning here. So this is another thing that we learn, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, and that is the importance of being patient, not judging our teachers, not speaking about our teachers. Yes, our teachers might not be you know, up to par, might not be upon that which uh, we want, but never be one who uh, criticizes your teacher. It wasn't from the manners, morals, and etiquettes of a student of knowledge to say, oh, my teacher is like this, and the sheikh is like this, and the sheikh is like that, and so on and so forth. And that is why me personally, I have advised many of the Islamic uh, um, organizations that teach Islam, that you know, you should not be asking the students whether the teacher was captivating. This is not good tarbiyah of the students. And mashallah, I'm speaking to you know the cream of the crop, those who work in the da'wah. Mashallah, I've looked at some of your profiles. Some of you are vice presidents of organizations. Some of you are vice principals of schools. Some of you are teachers and head teachers and so on and so forth. Walillahi alhamd. It is not good tarbiyah to start asking your students whether, you know, teacher so and so, was he captivating enough? Yes, we can do it for the contemporary sciences. But when it comes to the ilm shari'i, when it comes to the knowledge of the sharia, when it comes to da'wah and du'at and proper this deen that doesn't need us, this deen that you and I need, there has to be a level of common sense, there has to be a, a, a level of serenity and clarity amidst the chaos of the lives that you and I uh, live in today. So please take this particular point. Now, again, just to refresh our memories, we've been discussing the unique aspects of this book by Imam uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahmatullahi alayhi. From uh, the unique aspects of this book, brothers and sisters, and this is something you won't know, looking at the summary version is that this particular book is five volumes long or six volumes long depending on the print right uh, depending on the print and the work of the correctors and revisers uh, when this book uh, was published obviously we know that uh, these books before they were published in, in in what you and I know as publications today they they went through a process known uh, uh, or, or a process where they were they were considered manuscripts right so a process where uh, they were um, considered manuscripts and, and reading a manuscript is far difficult brothers and sisters uh, than reading a published book you know which with nice headings and nice designs and nice colors so again you know a, a hats off to our scholars rahmatullahi alayhim who actually sat reading Ibn, Ibn al-Qayyim's book and actually summarizing it for us so we have a summarized version in just one volume and not even, I wouldn't even call it a volume I'll call it one short volume given uh, the size of I uh, meaning the amount of pages uh, but the reality is the original book or the writing of the imam was in five or six volumes so <laughs> get your hand your head around that uh, brothers and sisters you know i have uh, the the uh, one of the uh, more famous publications and and each volume is 600 pages plus 
So if we said, you know, 600 pages plus, and it's about uh, two, three, four, five, six. So I've got the six uh, volume, uh, six volume um, compilation, and each volume is plus 600 pages. You do the math. I mean, even if you took out the table of contents and and the the uh, you know the the uh, the tables that uh, teach us uh, discuss the ayat in the book and the hadith in the book and so on and so forth. Even if you took that out, you do the math of how many pages this Imam wrote um, in this particular book. And and don't forget, he did it whilst traveling and with the difficulty of travel. And perhaps that's the reason why Allah has placed so much barakah uh, in this particular book. Also, brothers and sisters, um, the version of the book that you and I are going to study, uh, as I've said, is a summarized version. Now, this particular book um, was summarized by another famous imam, um, another famous scholar of the Hanbali Madhab. And by the way, Ibn al-Qayyim was from the Hanbali Madhab. Um, um, and this imam's name the summarizer's name was Sheikh Muhammad uh, Ibn Abdul Wahhab Rahmatullahi Alayhi or Radiallahu and then everybody or, or you know or the the large majority would be familiar uh, with this name Sheikh Muhammad uh, bin Abdul Wahhab Radiallahu uh, or Rahmatullahi Alayhi uh, may Allah shower his mercy uh, upon him. He summarized this particular book and he summarized it, you know, to make it accessible uh, for the masses. Why? Because the book is worth it. Uh, the masses need to read it. So basically, uh, he summarized the entire six volumes into one particular volume. And what he did was, you know, he removed um, the extra evidences explaining a point, for example. So he would just stick to the main evidence mentioned uh, to prove a point. He removed uh, many of the discussions surrounding the differences of opinion uh, and evidences of different scholars and the rebuttals uh, and so on and so forth. He also removed uh, many of the Arabic language nuances um, that would give way to uh, different interpretations of, uh, of verses and of uh, prophetic narrations. He removed all that. So basically he just kept the, the crux uh, of the lessons uh, so that, you know, uh, those who perhaps are not so studious would be able to still read the book and take the benefit because this book is worth it. And again, this is another sign of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted this book because signs of acceptance happens when the book exists throughout the ages of Islam after it was written firstly. Secondly, in today's day and age, we would say, you know, the book being published. Uh, and thirdly, the fact that scholars would care about the book enough to correct any spelling mistakes, uh, to sort of, um, you know, verify uh, the closest manuscript to the writing of the, uh, or the closest manuscript to that which the author actually wrote, for example, because back in the day, brothers and sisters, when someone wanted to copy a book, it wasn't like now where we photocopy it or go to a printing shop. Basically, people would come from all over the globe, on a journey which would take them months, and uh, then they would get their hands on the original copy, and they would hand write the original copy uh, in what they would consider their own books. And then they would go back with that book to their cities, and towns, and villages, and the people there then would make copies of what this person copied. So naturally, you know, human error can happen. 
So now you have a plethora of manuscripts and, you know, certain differences in certain sentences, in certain words, for example. Um, uh, this is, is, is something plausible and something that can be uh, easily understood. So what happens is, then in the later ages, we have uh, scholars who are inspired by Allah to come about to gather all the manuscripts and try and produce the closest um, thing to what the imam initially wrote, rahmatullahi alayhi. This is a sign of acceptance of a book. Another sign of acceptance is, as, is, is is, you know, the fact that the book has been summarized. Because let's say the book was uh, at a particular level that would only appeal to a group of people. Right? Allah showered acceptance on this book by making another sheikh, another scholar, summarize the book to make it accessible for the masses. Imagine that. Right? Just imagine you uh, give a lesson in the UK. Right? Just let's give a practical example here. You give a lesson in the UK. And it's in the English language, obviously, right? And then Allah gives acceptance to your lesson by making somebody translate your lesson into Urdu, for example. And all of a sudden, it's accessible to an entire part of the globe that you never imagined, right? So you were, you know, targeting a particular audience, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took it beyond your expectations, isn't this acceptance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a sign? Insha'Allah, insha'Allah, we have good hope uh, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, um, this is the reality of, of, of the book we will be studying. We will be studying the summarized version and the English summary obviously given the audience. But I will be uh, sharing with you... Um, Further explanations, explanations from myself, explanations taken from the other books of the scholars, and mainly explanations taken from the original version, uh, the book written by uh, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim originally, rahmatullahi alayhi, um, without making it too technical in a way uh, that affects your ability uh, to follow. So I will try and, and keep it at, at a certain level. But don't forget, brothers and sisters, you know, we have students uh, from different backgrounds here, um, some who already have a background seeking knowledge. So what I will do is try and accommodate everybody uh, the best or in the best way that I can. And uh, inshallah, inshallah, as the scholars say, مَا لَا كُلُّهُ لَا جُلُّهُ That which cannot be done in its entirety shouldn't be left out. It's an entirety and I'll try and use that particular principle um, with our um, you know, new, uh, you know, beginners and, and, and with our more uh, established students of knowledge and more established uh, workers uh, in the field of da'wah. Okay, so now we've, understand, we've understood the book, we've understood the book's name, we've understood the name of the author, we've understood why the book is unique. Now we need to learn a little bit about the author. So who was Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi? Well, his kunya um, was Abu Abdullah. Or if we want to be appropriate in the Arabic language, we would say Abu Abdullah. But because we're discussing in the English language, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use um, what's more famously uh, the process when translating these kunyas or these titles of people, um, which is Abu Abdullah. So he was Abu Abdullah. That was his title, the father of Abdullah. Um, and his name was Muhammad ibn Abu Bakr, ibn Ayyub, ibn Sa'ad, ibn Hariz al-Zar'i, which is an ascription to Azra, which is uh, in the south of Syria, al-Dabishqi al-Hambali. Okay? Uh, I'm going to repeat that for those who are writing, and, and as I said, you will get a, a recording, inshallah. Um 
And it's enough for you to know that his name was Muhammad ibn Abu Bakr, by the way. If you, if you know him as Abu Abdullah, Muhammad ibn Abu Bakr, that's fine. Famously known as Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyyah, this is, is, this is fine. I'm just giving you the extra pieces of information, uh, given that we do have an attachment to the book of this author, given that you know we're going to be studying it over the next few months and years, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. So, um, he was Abu Abdullah, Muhammad ibn Abu Bakr, ibn Ayyub, ibn Sa'ad, ibn Hariz al-Zar'i, al-Dabishqi al-Hambali. Al-Dabishqi means... You know, Damascus or a person from Damascus. And Al-Hambali refers to a person being from the Hambali Madhab. So, for your notes, it's enough for you to write. His name was uh, Muhammad ibn Abu Bakr. And his title was Abu Abdullah. And he was famously known as Ibn Qayyim Al-Jawziyyah. Now, why was he, you know, why was he called Al-Jawziyyah? Well, obviously there, there, there are other scholars who carried the name Ibn Qayyim. Uh, and Al-Jawziyyah made this Ibn Qayyim stand out from the rest. So whenever we say Ibn Qayyim Al-Jawziyyah, we know exactly who we're talking about. We're talking about Abu Abdullah, Muhammad Ibn Abu Bakr. Now why was he called Al-Jawziyyah? Well, he was called this because his father, his father, who was also a great scholar, his father was the principal of a school known as Al-Jawziyyah in Damascus. Right? So his father was the principal of a school known uh, as Al-Jawziyyah in um, Damascus, right? Um, and this teaches you, again, you know, the, the importance of Sham and, and, and these lands, Syria and, and, and these lands. We don't have time to go into it, brothers and sisters, but there were great scholars in this land, right? And from them uh, is this uh, particular imam. Uh, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim, and as you can see, this land had great madrasas, great schools, and as you can see, the father of Ibn al-Qayyim was also a sheikh, and he was the principal uh, of this particular school. Ibn al-Qayyim was born on the 7th of Safar, the 7th of Safar, in the year 691, after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to Medina, 691, which would be around 1292 CE. So in terms of the Islamic date, we would say 691 uh, after Hijrah. And he was raised in a house of knowledge and excellence. And this obviously offered him the chance to take knowledge from the senior scholars of his time. Um, especially at a time, brothers and sisters, when the various, or the various sciences of knowledge uh, you know, had flourished. There were many books, the madhahib were set. Uh, the madhahib themselves had their own books, the different fiqh madhabs. Um, so, you know, uh, in terms of the documentation of the sharia, it, it, you know, it, it, it existed um, at, a, at a praiseworthy state. And this was the time when Ibn al-Qayyim, rahmatullahi alayhi, existed. Uh, he studied under um, um, Shihab, uh, and, and, uh, and from his teachers also was Abu Bakr uh, ibn Abu Dayim uh, and Al Qadi Taqiuddin Sulaiman. Um, he also had female teachers. From them was Fatima bint Jauhar, which teaches us, uh, you know, how female scholarship is from uh, Islam. And we had female scholars, uh, female scholars from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and we don't need to even go far further than our mother Aisha uh, radiallahu anha. But here we see, um, you know, uh, in the seventh century of Islam, 
we see Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi uh, having uh, and even the 8th century of Islam because we would presume he was he was a bit older uh, when he studied with his teacher Fatima Fatima bint Johar and this was one female teacher amongst many female teachers so even in the 7th and 8th uh, century of Islam we see um, how many female scholars existed and how people would take uh, their knowledge from uh, the female scholars. But this doesn't mean that they were flouting the rules of the Sharia uh, in terms of hijab and in terms of uh, uh, matters pertaining to ikhtilat uh, and segregation and so on and so forth. So it doesn't mean that yes, we had female scholars, that they were conducting themselves in an unworthy way. No, the whole process was worthy of the honor of the knowledge uh, of this Sharia. Uh, from his teachers uh, as well was Muhammad um, uh, uh, Muhammad ibn uh, Abi al-Fatih al-Ba'li and others like uh, Ayyub ibn al-Kamal and Al-Qadi Badruddin ibn Jama'ah. So he, he studied with you know some of the best and, and don't forget that his first teacher was his father and he studied inheritance from his father and it, it is said, Islamic inheritance by the way, and it is said that his father was very strong uh, in Islamic inheritance and his father passed away in the year 723 after Hijrah. And this I found um, stated by Al-Hafid ibn Hajar uh, who is a famous Shafi'i scholar Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, you want to take note of this name, brothers and sisters, Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, he was the famous Shafi'i scholar, and he was the famous man that explained the hadith book written by Imam um, Al-Bukhari, Rahmatullahi alayhim jami'an. Rahmatullahi alayhim jami'an. So, we, uh, you know, uh, Ibn Hajar is a very respected scholar, and he uh, discusses um, the, the death of the father uh, of uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, uh, rahmatullahi alayhi, and cites for us him having passed away in the year 723 after Hijrah. Uh, so he studied Islamic inheritance with his father. He studied the Arabic language with uh, Abu al-Fatih al-Ba'li, uh, and he read to him al-Mulakhas, a book called al-Mulakhas, which is written by a scholar famously, famously known as Abu al-Baqa'. Abu al-Baqa, and he also read uh, Al-Jurjaniya, which is another famous Arabic book, and he also read Al-Fiyat ibn Malik, which is a more advanced Arabic book. So he studied, um, you know, Arabic very well with some of the best teachers, and uh, he also uh, studied with Al-Majd al-Tunisi, who was also a famous sheikh, uh, Al-Majd al-Tunisi, a famous sheikh, um, uh, known for his abilities in the Arabic language. So we see Imam Abdul Qayyim rahmatullahi Ali studied with the best uh, in the language and he studied the best books or some of the strongest books written with regards to the Arabic language. And I can promise you for those who can read Arabic, if you pick up uh, the original uh, work of Ibn al-Qayyim in Zad al-Ma'ad, and you look at all the Arabic language nuances that he brings across, and not just you know uh, in terms of meanings, but even in terms of grammar, and the different views of the scholars, you can see he was well read uh, in the Arabic language. He studied fiqh with a group of scholars, among them was uh, Ismail ibn Muhammad al-Harrani, and he took usul al-fiqh, uh, and uh, you know lessons pertaining to aqidah and belief and Islamic creed, as well as fiqh, from the famous scholar uh, al-Safi al-Hindi, and then he also studied these sciences with his greatest teacher, his 
biggest teacher, who can guess for me uh, uh, the name of his most uh, famous teacher and who he considered his greatest uh, teacher, who has uh, some knowledge of this and can throw it down for us in the chat box. Bismillah. So uh, we're talking about, you know, the most famous teacher of Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, and the one who he cites as his um, uh, main um, teacher, or the one who he spent the longest time with. Well done, Um Kashifa, and um, everybody else, uh, Imam Ibn Taymiyyah. Rahmatullahi alayhi. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah Rahmatullahi alayhi. So Ibn al-Qayyim Rahimahullah, he spent uh, 16 to 17 years right of his life with Imam Ibn Taymiyyah Rahmatullahi alayhi. and that's why in his writings you can clearly see, you know, the emotions that he has for his teacher, the respect that he has for his teacher, and in many of his works, the works of Ibn al-Qayyim Rahmatullahi alayhi, he goes on to mention many of the views of Ibn Taymiyyah Rahmatullahi alayhi, that, you know, um, you know, a lot of the time you can find out what uh, view Ibn Taymiyyah had at a specific point of his life uh, by looking at the works of Ibn al-Qayyim, his student, uh, Rahmatullahi alayhi, and, and and you know, some of the scholars say it was enough for us to understand uh, how amazing Imam Abu Hanifa was by looking at his student uh, Muhammad ibn al-Hasan al-Shaybani. And it's enough for us to understand how amazing Ibn Taymiyyah was by looking at his student Ibn al-Qayyim. Rahmatullahi alayhi, right? So, so uh, subhanAllah, you know, uh, some people really, um, the respect that they had for scholars grew by them looking at the students of the scholars, right? And I ask Allah to make me worthy to you all brothers and sisters and to make you all worthy students that perhaps, you know, you can increase my ajr in the hereafter, inshaAllah, by becoming more amazing uh, yourselves. Bi'indillahi <laughs> ta'ala. And I, I say it with, 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 a, with a light laugh, but with a serious heart uh, in my request uh, to you all. So, um, you know, people's awe of Ibn Taymiyyah grew when they started reading the books of, of Ibn al-Qayyim, rahmatullahi alayhi, to say, subhanAllah, Allah, uh, look at this, this, this person, this person who's an imam in his own right. He's an imam in his own right. So, you know, and, and in his books, his books are filled with the teaching of his sheikh, um, Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, rahmatullahi uh, alayhi. So, he spent 16 to 17 uh, years with Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, rahimahullah. And um, it's very clear that Ibn al-Qayyim, uh, rahmatullahi alayhi, adopted the methodology uh, of uh, his teacher, Taqiuddin uh, Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah. Um, now, Ibn, Ibn al-Qayyim, as we said, he was an imam in and of himself, which means what? Which means he had his own students, right? And as I said earlier, you know, we look at the students to understand how great the teacher was. So let's look at the students of Ibn al-Qayyim to understand how amazing he was. So from his own students was his own son, Abdullah, Right? And then the famous scholar of tafsir, Imam Ibn Kathir, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, the great Imam of tafsir known as Tafsir Ibn Kathir, and the author of the famous history book known as Al Bidaya wa Nihaya, which is an amazing book of, of history, 
right? From Adam alayhi salam, uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, uh, you know, puts ev- uh, sorry, uh, Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi alayhi, just writes this amazing book, the A to Z, you know, the beginning and until the end. Uh, that's what he titled it, Al-Bidaya wa nihaya the beginning and the end. And uh, right now, Darus Salam, I've just seen they are translating certain portions of this book. So if you go to Darus Salam and you see uh, some of the translations, it will tell you such and such from Al-Bidaya wa nihaya Right? Um, so these are some of the translations from the multiple volume, uh, volumes uh, written by Imam Ibn Kathir uh, Rahmatullahi uh, Alayh. Imam Ibn Kathir Rahmatullahi Alayh was from the students of Ibn Al-Qayyim, uh, as well as the Imam Al-Hafidh Abdurrahman Ibn Rajab Al-Baghdadi Al-Hanbali, the famous Hanbali scholar, Al-Hafidh Ibn Rajab, an amazing scholar, an Imam in and of himself as well. Right, and he was the author of the famous book known as Tabaqatul Hanabila. Right, so um, this person, Al Hafid Ibn Rajab, he was an amazing scholar in and of himself, considered an Imam in and of himself. He too was a student of uh, Ibn Al Qayyim, uh, Rahmatullahi uh, Alayh. So, brothers and sisters, you know, um, he had multiple students. I'm just sharing with you um, a few. I'm just sharing with you a few. Um, there was another scholar uh, later on known as Muhammad Ibn Ali al Shawkani. Uh, he's a famous scholar, famous for his abilities in fiqh and hadith and um, he praises Ibn al-Qayyim by saying you know that he saw when he read the books of Ibn al-Qayyim how Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi would restrict himself to the most authentic of evidences and how you know you couldn't help but admire um, the way he would act upon the knowledge that he had and how he would not depend on the on, on you know on opinions rather he was ready to overcome opinions uh, when he found evidence that was you know that that was contradictory to the views of other people which which shows you know how he himself ibn al-qayyim was an imam uh, in and of himself uh, by the blessings of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ibn kathir his famous student and the famous student the, the famous author of tafsir ibn kathir as i explained uh, he says that ibn al-qayyim was attached to occupying himself with knowledge day and night. He would pray and recite the Quran uh, much, meaning a lot, and was of excellent character, and he would show great affection and friendship, and he would not be jealous or envious. So we learn from these brothers and sisters that, you know, we learn from this the, the formula uh, for gaining knowledge. And, and Ibn, Ibn, uh, Ibn Kathir uh, goes on to further say that I do not know in this time of ours, right, anyone in the world who worships greater than him, meaning Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi. And he says he used to have a particular manner with respect to the prayer. He would lengthen it a great deal. He would extend its bowing and prostrating. And many of his... Um, the Imam Ibn Kathir goes on to say, to say that many of the, the students of the Imam uh, would censure the, the Imam at times, but he would never return uh, and, and leave alone this action. Meaning they would you know, gather, here, gather at his place gather uh, nearby where he was, uh, obviously to learn from him, many of his students, but Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi would continue praying his salah, would continue seeking his knowledge, would not, you know, just leave it because of the fact that people had come. So we learn from this how he as a person was very, uh, you know, controlled in terms of how he managed his time, how he managed his priorities, how he decided what his priorities were, uh, and, and how he was, um, you know, um, we would say, uh, you know, principled and excellent in terms of how he executed his timetable and 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 executed uh, the, the 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 
you know, the tasks that he set for himself for that day. And all these things collectively made him uh, an amazing uh, scholar. Rahmatullahi alayhi. Al-Hafid al-Suyuti, another famous uh, scholar uh, that came later on, he, true, uh, he, he too also uh, went on and, and praised uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahmatullahi um, And, you know, actually said that... Um, Ibn al-Qayyim had a hand in tafsir, he had a hand in hadith, he had a hand in usul and the principles of religion, and he had a hand in fiqh and in the subsidiary matters with regards to this religion, and he also had a hand in the Arabic language. So many scholars, brothers and sisters came after the great imam to, you know, um, testify uh, to the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed uh, this Imam with this Imam Rahmatullahi Alayhi Ibn Al-Qayyim Rahimahullah, he has many books, brothers and sisters. Honestly, in my view, I would it wouldn't be far off saying he has countless books. Yes, we can count them, but there's so many, it would deserve the title countless. And Zad al-Ma'ad is just one of them. And as I said, he wrote this book during a journey. So imagine what he was doing when he was sat at home. Imagine that, brothers and sisters. Imagine what the imam was doing when he was in the comfort of uh, the city that he came from and, 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 and lived in. When he was surrounded by his students, right? Uh, imagine what he did then. So the imam, uh, rahimahullah, uh, wrote many books. From the books that he authored was Shifa'ul Alil, Miftah Darus Sa'adah, Hadi Ul Arwah, Ila Bilad Al Afrah. And many others, Madariju Salikin. Madariju Salikin is an amazing book, right? It's a book really that's dedicated towards purification of the nafs. This is an amazing book. Wallahi, um, I pray one day Allah gives us life uh, to study this book as well, right? It's an amazing, amazing book. Uh, and you know what brothers and sisters the reality of the book is that it is an explanation of one ayah in the Quran and that is so this book also is, is more than one volume long right? so depending on, on, on the publication it's more than one volume long and the entire book is an explanation of just one ayah so this is another book that the Imam wrote, Rahmatullahi alayhi Madarij As-Salikin. For those who read Arabic, uh, please get it. For those who are interested at Knowledge International University, uh, we've actually uh, translated a large portion of the summarized version of Madarij As-Salikin. A very high level uh, translation. A very high level translation that we teach as part of the bachelor's degree with Knowledge International University. However, the good news is you can actually study the course itself without joining the degree program. So, you know, you could contact KIU. The semester started, uh, so perhaps uh, you can wait for the next semester, which will be uh, after the summer, around September. So put it in your notes that, you know, when that semester opens, you join in and you register for that particular class and you study it. Uh, inshallah, you get a certificate for it. So it, it runs over four months. And uh, the teacher of the subject is... Uh, our Sheikh 
Sheikh Sa'ad ibn Nasir al-Shithri, Hafizahullah. So we got him to record the lessons uh, for this particular subject, and then we've translated the book, uh, Walillahi alhamd, and I have been blessed to uh, run the live sessions. Our Sheikh Hafizahullah, he was happy for me to take the lessons, and now it's just become part and parcel um, or, or of, of the classes that I have. So, you know, the, the excitement you hear, you, you hear from me uh, speaking about this book is in place. Because I've been teaching it now for the last uh, two to three years. Uh, and it's an absolutely amazing uh, book. Alhamdulillah. Madarij As-Salikin. Uh, he's also got other books known as Kitab Al-Kaba'ir. Hukum Tariq 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 As-Salah. Please forgive me for that slip in the tongue. Um, and he also has um, uh, a book called Al-Kalim Al-Tayyib Wa Amal Al-Salih. And he has a book dedicated to explaining the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Sharh Al-Asma Al-Husna, and he has an amazing book uh, that has uh, a great presence in Usul Al-Fiqh, or Jurisprudence Methodology, known as Alam Al-Muwaqi'een Al-Rabbil Alameen. So it's a famous book, and no serious student of knowledge has a library uh, without uh, this particular book. So this is a little bit about the Imam, uh, Rahmatullahi alayhim. As I said, brothers and sisters, you know, if we were just to do a whole lesson about the life of Ibn al-Qayyim, we need a few weeks together. And this is the reality. Uh, but I just want to give you a bit of insight into uh, the author. So, you know, you could have uh, this um, emotional investment as well. Uh, with regards to the book that you're reading, because you understand how unique it is, and you understand how amazing uh, the author was. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us with him in Jannah. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Now, brothers and sisters, in terms of, of the class plan, um, the session is supposed to end um, now, so that we take a quick break and then go into Q&A. But given that today is an introductory lesson, uh, please allow me to just continue a little bit, because there's a few things that I want to uh, complete with you all in this introductory uh, uh, or in this introduction rather, uh, before our Saturday classes uh, begin. Firstly, brothers and sisters, the methodology of the classes. So, um, as has been announced, we will meet every Saturday at 9 a.m. Makkah time. Right? Obviously, with the exception of today, today we're meeting because it's an introduction. So, I wanted to just keep it separate. Um, but otherwise, we will be meeting every Saturday at 9 a.m. Makkah time. Now, um, if I have to travel then we will bring this class um, into the week. So for example, it would happen on a day like this at about 9 p.m. So please take note of that. But um, it will be, you know, travels are, are, are rare, inshallah. Uh, inshallah. <laughs> um, I think I have one scheduled for around the 20th of March. So in that particular week, uh, Brother Hisham will, will, will be in touch and Sister Dhakira uh, will be in touch, inshallah, with the timings for the class uh, during that week in advance, obviously, so you can manage your timetables well. Otherwise, by default, uh, the class will happen every Saturday at 9 a.m. Now, you will get links in your email before the class. Uh, please save the group email address as a contact in your email so that the emails don't go into spam. Okay? And if you see that you haven't received an email, check your spam first. And if it's not there, then write to uh, Sister Dakira or Brother Hisham. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward them and preserve them both in his obedience. Ameen.
the next point, brothers and sisters, is that th- uh, these classes will run as per the timetable of lessons in the Masajid here in Saudi Arabia. So, as you know, in Saudi Arabia, mashallah, the Masajid run classes, and um, these classes run uh, from um, semester to the semester break, and then the following semester to the semester break. So these classes will run uh, as follows, just to share with you uh, a bit more detail, that inshallah we will continue our classes for this particular period or period one until around the 20th of May. Right, so our last session will be around the 20th of May because that's when the university start exams here and that's when our teachers stop teaching in the masajid. So we will use uh, the similar uh, model and the lessons will stop till uh, the beginning of the next semester which will be in September. Which will be in September. So we'll have a, a long summer break. Okay, In that summer break, obviously, you need to revise your lessons, uh, put the lessons into practice in a greater way. And inshallah, what we will do is we'll have one of classes, special classes, for this particular group, like a class for Ramadan, like a class for Laylatul Qadr, inshallah, uh, and just general classes, but in terms of this series of lectures, it will stop around the 20th of May, and then we will resume in September. And in September, we'll resume till Hajj, and then we'll stop for the Hajj break, and then from Hajj, till January and then we'll have uh, a, a, a mid-year break and then it will continue in February till May uh, again um, as um, the period that we are in now. So I'm just giving um, you all the rundown but inshallah in terms of the specifics an email will be sent through um, when the time is right and you will all be uh, kept uh, informed inshallah. inshallah. Now um, the text that we'll be using uh, I believe you've all downloaded it. You must download it. Um, Alhamdulillah, Brother Hisham has sent the link. Uh, please download it and please try and read before you come to the class. So don't come to the class without reading any part of the book. Even if it's you know portions that we will not take in that lesson. Um, if you've read already what we will t- what we will take in this in 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 the lesson, then you know continue reading. Right? You, you'll never go wrong reading the book. And once you finish it, you can start again. Um, you know, some of, some of you may ask that how much will we do per session? Uh, well, Allah knows best. Allah knows best. You know, it just, um, I don't want to focus on quant- uh, quantity. I want to focus on quality. So it might be that, you know, one lesson will last us uh, several uh, weeks it could it could happen this way, brothers and sisters. So um, I want to focus on quality, not quantity. But although even in terms of uh, quality, it's not going to be something unbearable where we just go on and on about something. I'm going to be realistic. You know, we only have one life to live, and inshallah, it will be an honor to finish uh, the entire book. So I do have you know my my eye on 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 the uh, on the aim of actually finishing the book. So it's not going to be too detailed, but nonetheless, it's not going to be too brief. Yes, we're using a brief. Uh, summary as the primer, but I, as I promised, I will be uh, explaining. So please download the book and please do your best to read. Um, the other thing, brothers and sisters, that I want to uh, share with you uh, is the importance of looking after the etiquettes uh, of seeking knowledge. You know, make sure you have sincerity uh, and, you, and that you're doing it for Allah every step of the way. Every step of the way, from the time you signed up. Don't do it for fun. Don't do it because, you know, there was a hype around it. Do it for the sake of Allah. And also, you know, from the etiquettes, is you feeling special? Because of the special nature of this journey, 
right? So you special brothers and sisters, right? You, you know, you know that for the student of knowledge, um, is, is, is Allah making the angels lower their wings for the student of knowledge? Right? Which means you're special. If angels are lowering their wings for you, right? it means you're special. Also, as the Prophet ﷺ said, that مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سَهَلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِهِ طَرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ That whoever treads a path for the sake of Allah, seeking Islamic knowledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make your journey to Jannah easier. Which means you're special again. So I want you all to feel special as an etiquette. Now, I'm not saying become arrogant, but I'm saying be humble. Meaning, feel special in a way that makes you humble. That subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has picked you and chosen you. Also, brothers and sisters, be patient. Be patient. Be patient with me. Be patient with my team. Uh, be patient with each other. You know, make sure you, you have pa- patience in high dosages. And we've spoken a lot about patience, uh, uh, during the course of today's uh, program. So please, please, please bear patience. And be patient in terms of how you study, in terms of your revision, and in terms of making it to the class. I don't want you to say, well, you know, the Sheikh has promised to record the lesson, so you know what, I'm going to listen to the recorded session. Inshallah, our next lesson, I'm going to open it with a hadith, which is going to teach you why you should attend the live session and not rely on the recording. I'm going to teach you a hadith which tells us how special, how special uh, those, um, you know, um, people who attend the lesson live are. Okay? So, um, please, uh, you know, uh, join me for that next lesson and be patient in attending. And don't just say, well, you know, now it's going to be recorded. So, inshallah, I'll procrastinate. Remember, shaitan starts with us slowly, but he starts with us surely. Right? So, your aim should be to attend the lesson live. Don't wait for the recording. The recording is there as a compliment. Uh, from the outset, you should attend. From the etiquettes, brothers and sisters, is, you know, I want you to learn to teach. Right? So I don't want you to attend these lessons just to learn. I want you to attend these lessons with the intention of teaching these lessons to others. This is important. Because if you do so, brothers and sisters, then it will make you a more robust learner. And you'll ask more questions. And you'll focus better. Why? Because you know that subhanAllah, this lesson that I'm learning now, I need to teach it to other people so I better learn it well. Right? If you just come as uh, a general learner, then it's going to sort of you know, uh, reduce the efficiency that you will have uh, in terms of the class that you're taking. And you should apply this etiquette to all your classes, where you attend a class to learn with the intention of teaching what you learn to others. So uh, look after these etiquettes, my dear brothers and sisters. Also, I would love for you to, yes, exactly, teach the lesson to others. So help me grow my Jannah by teaching other people that which Allah has blessed me to teach you. Also, brothers and sisters, may Allah bless you all. From the etiquettes is not to play with the classroom. <laughs> okay? So, don't play with the whiteboard. Don't play with any of the features. May Allah bless you all. I'm just uh, adding that in because I saw the screen wobble a little bit. Um, may Allah bless you all. Uh, Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. So, just take care of, of these etiquettes. Uh, Jazakumullahu khairan. There are many, many more uh, etiquettes when seeking knowledge. And inshallah, we will touch upon those etiquettes as we traverse together, learning from the book of the great Imam. Also, brothers and sisters, from the etiquettes is please burn in and do not burn out. Right? 
Burn in, but don't burn out. As I said earlier, don't try and take things in bucket loads and put them into practice in bucket loads. Bucket loads. You know, set yourself a robust plan, which slowly but surely gets you going with things. And that is why I have made this lesson only once a week and not more than once. Had it been more than once, I'm sure you would have all said, yes, let's do it. But then, you know, uh, you would have burned out. So uh, please remember, burn in, don't burn out. My happiness would be for you to truly become better people. I don't want you just to be knowledgeable people. I want you to be truly better people because of the knowledge uh, that you have learned. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Um, some miscellaneous points, my dear brothers and sisters, please try and have with you some healthy sugars. Right Now some of you might be laughing, but this is a great technique when learning. Right? Because when you learn, you um, use your prefrontal cortex, which is at the front of your brain, and the prefrontal cortex uses a lot of calories to function properly, right? So if you, if you can consume healthy sugars every 20 minutes, like, you know, dark chocolate, like, for example, um, some dates, right? Don't eat so much that, you know, you put on weight, okay? But uh, and that's why I didn't say normal chocolate. I said dark chocolate. doesn't taste so good, but it has some healthy sugars there. Then what happens is it keeps your your uh, mind fresh. The body doesn't feel that it's running out of ca- uh, calories, so it keeps on pump, uh, you know, um, releasing energies for your prefrontal cortex, for your brain to work, and it helps you focus. Don't forget that this is you know, a two-hour session. Even though we're having breaks, uh, your, 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 the efficiency of your brain to focus is going to fluctuate. So assist yourself uh, in ensuring that you, know, you have uh, some healthy uh, sugars, uh, inshallah, which you consume every 20 minutes. I would say uh, you know, at every 20 minutes, in, in, uh, interval or 15 minute or every time you feel you're becoming mentally tired just eat a little bit and you'll see inshallah it will uh, cause you to focus uh, some more um, khair, I think I've shared with you some of uh, you know the most uh, important points uh, that I wanted uh, to share um, inshallah um, there are a few other things but as I promised I will, I will pass them on to you um, as we traverse through our journey with the book by uh, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi uh, Last but not least, my dear brothers and sisters, he who does not thank the people cannot thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So um, I, I want to be good in thanking Allah. I want you to be good in thanking Allah. And to do that, we need to be good with the lesser thanks. Because if we fail with the lesser thanks, then we will fail with the greater thanks. If we fail with... The lesser thanks, which is thanking the people, we will fail with the greater thanks. So we must thank the people. And uh, I would like to extend a heartfelt gratitude to uh, um, the team of brothers and sisters behind this event. Brother Jahid from the UK, Brother Tawheed from the UK, Brother Khoyas from the UK, Brother Idris from Melbourne, Australia, uh, Brother Hisham from Dubai, uh, Brother Abdul Mateen from Dubai, Sister Shaista from Durban, South Africa, Sister Roshanara from the UK, uh, Sister Dhakira from Colombo, Sri Lanka, who mashallah is in Malaysia for some study and is still joining this program. May Allah bless her and she's the one who's been emailing you all. So even though she's been traveling and busy with some school, uh, she's been keeping up to date with everything, mashallah, herself and, and brother Hisham, mashallah. Uh, Sister Aisha also from Colombo, Sri Lanka. Sister Madia from the UK. Sister uh, Safa from uh, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And Sister Farzana from Melbourne, uh, Australia. So I'd like to thank our brothers and sisters uh, for all their, their great work. Also, also, I would like to 
to extend a heartfelt gratitude to um, um, our wonderful, wonderful team of sisters uh, in Dubai at Darul Ilm for affording us uh, the virtual classroom for us to run our lessons. And in particular, um, our sister Rubina, may Allah bless her, may Allah protect her and her family, and may Allah accept from her. Um, she's been um, you know, very forthcoming, mashallah, tabarakallah, in working uh, with our team in uh, deciding on the times for this particular class and setting the links and, and so on and so forth, which is uh, a particular class. So Sister Rubina, barakallahu feekum, and also please uh, send my thanks and dua to everyone at Darul Ilm, uh, barakallahu feek. Last but not least, my dear brothers and sisters, I thank each and every one of you here. My brothers and sisters who inspire me, my brothers and sisters who I love for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, each and every one of you in attendance, and each and every one of you who will attend, barakallahu feekum from the bottom of my heart. May Allah bless you all, look after you all. I thank you for you know choosing me to be a teacher, lending me your attentive ear, um, and I also thank you for making me a guest in your home, because I imagine the majority of you all are listening to these uh, sessions and will listen to these sessions from the comfort of your home. So I, in essence, will be a guest in your home. So Jazakumullah khairan for allowing me to be a guest in your home. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make me a worthy guest, not a troublesome guest, but a guest that uh, is of benefit. Uh, uh, this is all I have, brothers and sisters, for this introduction. Inshallah, when we meet again on Saturday, at 9 a.m. Uh, Mecca time, uh, inshallah, we will uh, begin the introduction, um, which uh, the introduction by the great Imam Ibn Al Qayyim Al Jawziyya, rahmatullahi alayhi, as summarized by another great Imam Muhammad Abd, uh, Ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahmatullahi alayhi. Barakallahu fikum. Hada wallahu a'lam. Everything correct said is from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and He is perfect. And any mistakes are from myself and Shaytan, and I seek Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, I love you all for the sake of Allah. And just before I close, uh, we have opened a couple of forums. One specific for the females. One specific for the males. For those who are transcribing today's lessons, um, you know, and you can put it up in those forums. And just for you all to grow your relationships with one another in terms of, you know, being a student in this program. Um, and also for the sake of you all sharing benefits with one another and clarifying uh, any any uh, issues um, that you may, uh, might have. Uh, barakallahu feek. Uh, for those who have questions, yes, okay. All right, Abdul Malik, may Allah bless you. I'm sticking it in the chat box now. Sajidahmed.umar at uh, gmail. Um, bismillah. Bismillah at gmail.com. All right, so there's it there. But, you know, please forgive me, brothers and sisters. I might not be able to, you know, just reply you all um, uh, given the amount of emails that come in but I, I will try my, my dear uh, best. Now as I said we have a forum for the males a forum for the females so everyone will be in their respected forums um, and um, you know that way everybody is, is comfortable to learn in a comfortable setting. As for uh, the main forum group where everybody is in that is only for the purpose 
of us sending out to you important correspondence and that is why um, everyone is together in that particular group but there will be no correspondence between students in that particular group in terms of correspondence alhamdulillah you have your own individual forum groups bi'nillahi ta'ala jazakumullahu khairan uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us and show us our time together on our scales of good deeds on the day of qiyamah ameen wa sallallahu wa sallama wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanallah وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك see you all everybody Saturday insha'Allah السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته